This is Guns and Butter. The Federal Reserve could come and say, fine, zero uh, percent credit for a hundred years. You pay back one percent a year. This is the way out of the depression. This is the principle that can lift the world, and that is why, in addition to the obvious humanitarian and social utility of what Elizabeth Warren is doing, the principle that is embedded there is the vital one for the survival of civilization. To break the power of the privately owned central banks, to force them to conform to the needs of the people and of the national economy. I'm Bonnie Faulkner. Today on Guns and Butter, Webster Tarpley. Today's show. Mobilize now for Elizabeth Warren's bill to cut student loan rates to 0.75%. Webster Tarpley is an economic historian, author, and lecturer. He is author of Against Oligarchy, Surviving the Cataclysm, a Study of the World Financial Crisis, 9-11 Synthetic Terror Made in the USA, Obama, the Postmodern Coup, the Making of a Manchurian Candidate, Obama, the Unauthorized Biography, and co-author of George Bush, the Unauthorized Biography. He is a leader and activist with the United Front Against Austerity. On today's program, we discuss Senator Elizabeth Warren's first bill in Congress, the Bank on Student Loan Fairness Act, which would require the Federal Reserve to offer student loans at the federal discount rate, which the Fed now offers banks. We talk about support and opposition to her bill, its limitations, and the overriding principle her bill would establish, that the central bank can and should open a credit window to offer low-interest loans to help the American people and rebuild the economy. Webster Tarpley, welcome. Thank you very much. What is Senator Elizabeth Warren's new Bank on Student Loan Fairness Act bill that is now in Congress? She has just proposed her first bill. Isn't that right? That's correct. And I think this is a historical breakthrough. I think this is a, a, a real historical watershed. It is certainly the best piece of legislation to come out of Congress, I don't know, maybe in the memory of, of living generations. It's, it's hard to say. I think you have to go back many decades to find anything as good. It is, it is the following. We have this huge student loan crisis in the United States, right? We have $1 trillion, $1,000 billion of outstanding student loans. The interest rates on these range from 3%, 4%, up to 10 or 12% if they're private loans, uh, the crisis is going to become worse on July 1st, 2013, month or two from now, when the interest rates on one of the main categories of these loans, the so-called Stafford loan, jumps from 3.4% to 6.8%. And you have to figure, if you're talking about a trillion dollars, every one of those percentage points is $10 billion of interest paid by American students, American, American families. So as, as no, no student needs to be told this, but maybe other people need to be reminded, these uh, student loans have become the dominant, crushing, central feature of the lives of millions of young people. With that kind of interest rate, uh, the, the loans you have, if you come out of an undergraduate degree, that can be between 30000 and 60000 of uh, student loans. If you want an advanced degree, an MA in something, you're going to be up to 70, 75,000. If we're talking law degrees or medical degrees, you're easily over $100,000 of student loans. And a lot of people can't find jobs and they can't find jobs that pay a, a wage that allows them to, uh, to retire this debt. So what this is leading to is that the life of entire generation and beyond, because there are a lot of, lot of you know, middle-aged people going back for degrees, you know, to fight for their survival in the labor market. But what it means in particular for the younger generation is that their lives have been stopped dead in their tracks. You can't, uh, you can't get married. You can't have a, a family. You can't rent a home. You can't buy a home. To say nothing of the car, the refrigerator, the washing machine. So it has a tremendous demographic and economic uh, impact uh, and it's it's going to lead to massive defaults because it just it simply cannot go on. So what Elizabeth Warren has proposed is, first of all, to recognize that this is an extraordinary crisis. 
uh, her, her new bill, which was just submitted uh, on uh, this past Wednesday, what was it, the 8th of, um, of May, is to lower the interest rate on the Stafford loan, the largest uh, category, I think, of, um, or at least it's one of the largest categories of the uh, federally subsidized and unsubsidized student loans, to lower that from the 3.4% it is now the 6.8% that it will be after July 1st, lower that down to 0.75%. 0.75%, three quarters of 1%. And as you'll hear from the legislation, that's because that's the discount rate. That is the rate at which a Wall Street zombie bank, JP Morgan Chase, Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, that's where they can borrow. They can borrow from for 0.75%. Now, those are all institutions that were all bankrupt in 2008. Every one of them has gone bankrupt at least once. So let's not kid ourselves about who's credit worthy and who's not. What Warren is saying is let's extend the 0.75% interest rate to students, to people, uh, anybody who's you know, borrowing money to get an advanced degree. And we know without an educated workforce, without you know, more and more people going to college, you can forget about competing in the 21st century. You can't make headway against Europe or Japan or, or China, these other places. You've got to have an educated workforce. So this is a, a, an overriding paramount national interest and, and priority. Now, the thing that interests me the most about this, and I think this is the, the, the revolutionary aspect of what Warren is proposing, is not only does she say, let's bring the Stafford loan down to 0.75%. Uh, that's already great. That's a tremendous uh, you know, relief for the people in question. But she proposes to make the Federal Reserve pay. And this is simply uh, a, a watershed. This is something we, we have not seen. This principle, let me interject at the very beginning, the principle that the Fed should pay is the principle that can lift the world. This is the key to getting out of the economic depression. This is the key to breaking out of this uh, bind that we've been in, uh, in in the past four, four to five years. And here's how it would work. We pick up uh, her bill. I urge you to read her bill. It's wonderful. It's only about three pages long. It's not 2,500. The Republicans will slander her and the Democrats, some, some Democrats, the Obama administration may have some nasty things to say, but they won't be able to say that it's 2,500 pages long. It's not. It's three pages, just tails off onto the fourth page. So here it is, a bill to prevent the doubling of the interest rate on July 4th. But uh, as soon as we get to this point, uh, the act is called Bank on Students Loan Fairness Act, and it's an amendment to the Higher Education Act of 1965, right? Federal student loans. And here's the first provision. Number one, the Board of Governors of the Federal Reserve System shall make available to the Secretary of Education from the combined earnings of the Federal Reserve System, the amount determined by the Secretary to be reasonably necessary to award federal direct Stafford loans during the uh, academic year 2013 to 2014 to all eligible students. Now, what that simply means, we've got to understand, we're talking about two kinds of money. When we're talking to the US government, there are fundamentally two different kinds. There's the US Treasury, taxpayer money and borrowed money. That's, that's the federal budget. That's, uh, you know, the, the federal deficit resides there. But then there's the Federal Reserve, the central bank, and Tragically, wrongly, illegally, unconstitutionally, in my view, the Federal Reserve Act of 100 years ago transferred the inherent credit-creating power of the U.S. government out of the hands of the president and the Congress and the secretary of the Treasury and alienated it, right? parked it over in this Federal Reserve system, which, as we know, is a lawless entity because it is not governed by public law. It's not governed by a bill that goes through the House and Senate signed by the president, but it's a clique of bankers who meet in secret. And many of the bankers who meet there, of course, are chosen uh, by private banks in the, in the various Federal Reserve districts. 
And that's what it's been like. But now notice when we read this bill and she says, the Board of Governors of the Federal Reserve System shall make available. It means they're obliged. They're coerced. They have to. Uh, if they don't, they violate the law. It is directing the Federal Reserve to obey the national interest, to do something of tremendous social utility, not just to serve the zombie banks, not just to serve the hedge fund hyenas, not only parasitical financial interests, but in this case, millions and millions, tens of millions of students, parents, families, grandparents, uh, and, and so on down the line. So this is the watershed. We have had the era of federal borrowing and federal lending, all of that centered in the treasury. We are now entering, when this bill goes through, as it must, before July 1st, this bill takes us from the era of federal borrowing and federal uh, spending into the era of federal lending. We are now mobilizing the inherent credit-creating power of the United States of America to do the things that we decide politically have to be done. For people who don't like the Federal Reserve, you should welcome this. This is the first concrete, specific attack on the lawlessness of the Federal Reserve that, that has been seen in, in decades and decades, right? Ron Paul uh, and, and Rand Paul were strutting and preening that they wanted to audit the Fed. Well, audit the Fed, you'll find out it's corrupt. We already know that. Here is Elizabeth Warren saying, I'm telling them what to do. We want to transfer resources for the benefit of our students and our families. And that's, that's what this, this bill is all about. So you see the idea. We're calling on the Federal Reserve to make money available through the discount window to the Secretary of Education. And that is simply unheard of. And I, I, I would just jump ahead. Some of the people who are attacking her, uh, we find, for example, uh, uh, you know, they're going to be all sorts of quackademics. Let's look, look through the list. James Angel, Associate Professor of Finance at Georgetown University's McDonough School of Business. This guy says, the flaw in Senator Warren's logic is that these are long-term loans that are presumably being funded with longer-term borrowing by the Treasury. This is exactly what it's not. We do not have to borrow on the open market to pay for this, right? You know, people know what the... Uh, the treasury bill rates are, right? A 10-year bill carries a 1.9% interest rate. A 30-year has about a 2.83 interest rate. This is not borrowing. This is not, it's not going to be counted against the deficit ceiling. It's none of that. This is the federal government's own creature, the Federal Reserve, making that money available at 0.75%. And uh, just as a matter of administrative convenience, the students and the families are not going to go directly to the discount window at the Federal Reserve. But that is, in effect, what they're doing. It's simply that the Secretary of Education is going to take control of this money and then distribute it to the people who, who need to borrow it. So you can see this is a tremendous turning point. Now, the Federal Reserve uh, credit uh, their lending ability, that is completely separate from the U.S. budget, isn't it? Exactly, as I've just tried to say, that the, the, the Treasury operates with tax receipts, right? general revenue, all kinds of money that comes into the, into the federal Treasury. And, of course, they have to borrow money. They have to borrow you know, about one-third or 40% of every dollar spent. This is separate. And this, uh, again, opens up the world of all the essential things that can be financed through the Federal Reserve and, and not necessarily the Treasury, right? We've got a, a highway budget that could easily be funded by forcing the Federal Reserve to cough up this money. Uh, again, no taxpayer will have to pay a dime for the Warren bill. The deficit will not be increased. Taxes will not be increased. Instead, what, the, what, what they're going to find is that if the Federal Reserve is providing the money for the Stafford loans, and I hope soon all student loans, which we should address, that will relieve the pressure on the federal budget because it would mean the money that had to be authorized and appropriated and paid out to the Treasury, to the Department of Education, to, to, to uh, finance these loans, that's going to be taken care of 
by the Federal Reserve. For the first time, we're tapping into the richest part of the government, the place that you know, has not been called on to do anything. And we know, of course, the, the Federal Reserve made available $27 trillion as a credit line to zombie banks, domestic and also foreign zombie banks, Barclays, Deutsche Bank, they all were able to borrow. 27 trillion at the height of the crisis in 2008, 2009. But that's only if you're a financial institution. And they opened up a series of credit stimulus windows. They had the term auction facility, TAF. They had the TALF. They had the money market facility. They had the uh, primary dealer uh, treasury bond credit facility. They must have had a dozen of these credit facilities where you could get virtually 0% loans. The only trick was you had to be a financial institution. In other words, in my terms, a zombie bank, a hedge fund hyena, or some other kind of financial parasite. Now we're saying not only uh, is the Federal Reserve there for the financial community, but for direct lending into the real economy to meet the needs of the real economy and the people. And again, who could argue that it's it's not in the national interest to solve the problem of an entire generation whose lives have been brought to a halt, plus untold others who have been you know fighting to get degrees you know to keep themselves uh, employable in in this economy at all ages? I'm speaking with economic historian and author Webster Tarpley. Today's show: Mobilize now for Elizabeth Warren's bill to cut student loan rates to 0.75%. I'm Bonnie Faulkner. This is Guns and Butter. Why has the lending power of the Federal Reserve only been offered to financial institutions? Well, that is the tale of corruption, isn't it? Then that's that's what happens when you have a society dominated by finance oligarchs where finance capital rules, then the finance capitalists, the, these finance oligarchs, they make the rules according to what they want. And actually what they want is they don't want um, a student to be able to go to the Fed and say, I want a loan at 0.75%. They want you to be forced to go uh, to some private bank and pay 10% or 12%. And there's about, I guess it's about $150 billion of private student loans where it's virtually the sky's the limit. In other words, I don't, I'm not sure anybody knows what the... Uh, what the interest rate is on those, but it's way higher than what we're talking about. 3.4% about to jump to 6.8%, God knows, is bad enough. But if you have part of that $150 billion in, uh, in, in private loans, then, then you're paying even more. And they're laughing all the way to the bank, right? So this is a way to shut them down. In other words, all these usurious extortionist, uh, exorbitant interest rates will be profoundly undercut by this, as they deserve to be. How do you anticipate that Wall Street forces will react to the uh, Bank for Students bill? Well, they're already on a slow burn. Um, and you can see this, for example, uh, in terms of the, uh, the the coverage on this, right? The, 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 um, the event is too big to ignore. That's already a, a, a positive uh, thing. Uh, how about U.S. News and World Report? What Elizabeth Warren gets wrong and right about student loans. The student loan interest rate system is inefficient, but this is not the best way to fix it. Um, and they, they note, they have to concede that what, what she is saying is that the federal, the federal government is asking students to pay an interest rate that's nine times, 900% what a uh, a zombie bank would pay. But she says, oh, well, this is the market talking. There's a good reason why, because uh, the uh, the default rate among students is going to be higher. The students are less credit worthy, right? We can't have that. Just, just remember the zombie bank she's talking about, JP Morgan, Citibank, Bank of America, you know the list. All of them were bankrupt. Every one of them was bankrupt. And they live now as wards of the U.S. federal government, thanks to the TARP on budget, right? That was on budget, troubled uh, assets relief uh, program, but also thanks to the $27 trillion through the, uh, the low-cost windows of the Federal Reserve. So this other guy that I quoted you before, Angel, he says, 
She's, she wants the federal government to borrow more on the open market from zombie banks uh, and then eat the loss of lending that out at 0.75. No, no, no. Once again, she's saying that the federal government is going to compel the Federal Reserve to cough up the money for the Secretary of Education. So there's one. The general term that they use is unsound. They think it's unsound. Uh, it's not good, good economics, right? They're all snide, nasty, what does she know, um, and so forth. Um, various, various arguments. Some of them say uh, the, the more right-wing, the more reactionary ones uh, say, here, here's one, uh, the American Enterprise Institute, right, neocon. This is the daily caller. So we figure this is, you know, Tucker Carlson reactionaries. It's a complete irrelevancy to compare student loan interest rates to Federal Reserve loan to bank rates. It's an attempt to increase taxpayer subsidies for student loans by undercharging on the interest rates. And again, this is what it's not. It will not cost the taxpayer a penny because that money is coming from the bottomless cornucopia of the Federal Reserve. It's not coming from borrowing and then putting that out through the Treasury. Again, these are fundamentally different. These reactionaries will do everything they can to blur this difference, right? They're going to say, she wants to reach into your pocket. No, we're reaching into Bernanke's pocket. We're saying, helicopter Ben, cough up the money. The taxpayer is going to be off the hook. Another one, they say, this would increase the student loan bubble. What needs to happen instead is not to promote debt, but to promote more efficient and lower cost education. And that simply means most of you plebeians and peons shouldn't be going to college, right? There's, a, there's a, a, an ongoing reactionary libertarian campaign that college is a bad investment. It's not worth it. You shouldn't want it. Don't pay uh, and so forth. Again, because they want it to go back to to being a privilege uh, of, of the rich. And another one says, in the long run, less borrowing will be better for both students and taxpayers. Sorry, it's a little bit late for that, right? With one trillion uh, outstanding. So uh, how about this one? Elizabeth Warren wants to get the Fed into the student loan business. This is uh, the daily beast, okay? You're gonna see a lot of left liberals a lot of libertarians, a lot of Austrians, they're going to show their true colors, shills for the banks, shills for Wall Street. So um, the idea here is, oh, you know, haven't we had enough of this? Um, you know, we should, we should, again, cut this down. And again, this constant refrain, it's not a serious proposal. It has no chance. You know, uh, just to add on to that, I notice in the Los Angeles Times article, it, it of course begins by saying that this bill has no chance of passage. Right. And right. I was about to ask you, why would reactionaries oppose this bill? Uh, don't they support higher education? But I guess, no. well, according to you, no, they don't. They don't want to pay. They don't want to pay. The average reactionary is fuming. They say, I don't want to pay to educate other people's kids in the public schools. I don't want to pay for public uh, colleges, state universities. I don't want the University of California. I don't want San Francisco State. I don't want any of that. Uh, they say those are, are machines that turn out liberals, they say, right? It spreads an ideology that they don't share. They don't want to pay for that. So they want to shut that down. Now, again, from the point of view of a statesman, you'd have to say that's national suicide, right? The Chinese will be sending anthropologists to study you as an example of a failed civilization if you go down that road. So this, this has to be absolutely uh, rejected. And again, the left liberals with their posturing, the Austrian school, the Ron Paul, Rand Paul, we're going to be looking at uh, Rubio, we'll be looking at Ted Cruz of Texas, we'll be looking at Mike Lee, the Tea Party caucus, right? with their grumbling about the Federal Reserve, you're going to see what hypocrites they are because they're going to find a way to be against this because they are shills for bankers. They just have a different kind of disguise. Well, what was Ron Paul's position on student loans? Ron, the, the, the last gift that Ron Paul had to his duped followers last year was um, in, this, in the springtime about a year ago the question came up of whether the Stafford loans should go up immediately a year ago from 3.4% to 6.8%. 
and uh, the, there was a compromise engineered to push this beyond the uh, the federal uh, presidential election because it was a way to to help Obama, right? Obama couldn't be seen as as you know screwing over the 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 students, but Ron Paul didn't hesitate. Ron Paul said, "Thank you, college students, for putting me on the map and my idiot son Rand," and he voted for it. He said, "Yes." Let's go from 3.4 to 6.8%. That's the Austrian school. So you're going to be told lowering the, the, the student loan interest rate from 6.8 to 3.4 to 0.75, that violates the Austrian school. And it does. So uh, let's, let's revel in that fact. Now, what is the principle that is embodied in this bill? We've been focused on student loans, but if in fact the... Fed opened up a credit discount window for student loans. They could do the same for other types of uh, economic spending, correct? That is why the the, the Warren proposal stands out, you know, head and shoulders over over all of these others. Um, It goes back to this. uh, There there are two economists associated with this in the early 1930s, right? Wilhelm Lautenbach of the German finance ministry and W.S. Wojtynski, who was, he came to the United States, he worked for the 20th Century Fund, but he had, was at that time the economist of the German Trade Union Confederation. And these two proposals, along with some others, converged on the idea, force the central bank to come up with a large credit, a large loan, a tender offer, you might say. In the, in the billions of marks then, it would be in the tens of trillions uh, today, you know, given the size of of economic aggregates. But what they basically wanted to do was in 1931-1932, build the Autobahn, build the entire German superhighway system. If they had done that, they would have absorbed tremendous amounts of unemployment. The level of despair in the entire population would have been drastically reduced. They would have cut Hitler off at the knees. No Hitler, no Nazi regime, no Second World War in the way that it came. But there were people in the social democracy, the infamous Rudolf Hilferding, who said, oh, no, that violates Marxism. Uh, You've got to get ready for the fact some people may say this violates Marxism. Others may tell you that it violates Keynes. (laughs) It's just that the overwhelming sentiment of the middle class is that they're going to to want it. And it is this is, of course, the the Achilles heel of Keynes is that Keynes can't imagine forcing the central bank to finance a recovery. Keynes says, finance it on your budget, right? Using your treasury budget, that's the only way to do it. You know, build up these huge quantities of debt. We have Paul Krugman running around saying deficits don't matter. I'm sorry, in today's world, they do. Because now we have Standard & Poor's, we have Fitch, we have Moody's acting as a cabal. We've got uh, exorbitant uh, use of credit default swaps. Uh, you, You can't go beyond a certain level of of federal debt. And that's the beauty of this, because this will not add to federal debt. It's likely to reduce federal debt. Because again, the Stafford loan money will not have to come from tax money or borrowed money. It's going to come once again from the Federal Reserve, who have all the money. I'm speaking with economic historian and author Webster Tarpley. Today's show, Mobilize Now for Elizabeth Warren's Bill to Cut Student Loan Rates to 0.75%. I'm Bonnie Faulkner. This is Guns and Butter. I wanted to ask you one more specific question about Elizabeth Warren's student loan bill, and that is, what are the limitations of her bill? Yes, very good. The first one is it's only a year. Now, again, I'm, I'm sympathetic to all of these because, you know, you can see how hard this is going to be. Uh, you've got to get the wedge in somewhere. In other words, you've, you've got to somehow find a chink in the financier armor, and she's found it. Because uh, basically what she's got is a proposal that the middle class is going to want, right? 90 to 95% of the American people are going to want it. But elites, left and right, the Republican leadership, Democratic leadership, Obama, White House, they're not going to want it because they're all paid by Wall Street, right? They're all uh, financed. So um, one year is simply not enough. The other thing is uh, it, it's too limited. In other words, the Stafford loans, I guess, might be 10 or 15 percent at the very most of student loan uh, lending. Right. They're, they're just one category. They're, they're the cream de la cream. Right. They're the um, 
the most advantaged, right? The, the most credit worthy, the you know, most uh, favored people get those. But then there are others. There are Perkins loans. Now let's not go through the let's not go through the, the differences among all of these. They're all they all have differences. Um, if if you have these loans, you know what you've got, right? Because you're you're getting a bill all the time. The Stafford loans are one thing. Then there are Perkins loans. There are plus loans, and the plus loans, you know, if you have these too, because the plus loans, you're a parent and you're borrowing for your kid, but those are student loans. And then about a quarter of the whole total are consolidation loans where people have borrowed at different interest rates at different times, and then they've reborrowed, they've refinanced to refinance those into consolidation loans. And that's about one quarter uh, of the total. So then you also have the 150 billion in private bank loans or loans from other private lenders with the federal government playing little or no no role. So the obvious thing is, why limit this to the Stafford loan? Let's build the movement, let's build the broad front by bringing in all these other people, right? The Staffords, the Perkins, the Plus, the Consolidated, the Private, and anything else, and allow everybody to refinance, right? Let's make 2013 to 2014 the year of refinancing the high interest student loans down to 0.75. And of course, don't let Bernanke raise the discount rate to try to claw back some of that money, right? He's got to keep it uh, low. Something the Austrians, of course, uh, have been screaming about, right? The Austrians want to get more, more interest for their money, so they want it raised. But they're parasites. The, the average American uh, family clearly is is going to want this. The average American family is not going to be interested in the obfuscations of quackademics and these idiotic arguments. The ultimate argument, once this gathers strength, is you're going to hear reactionaries come forward and saying, this is sacrilege, this is heresy, you're interfering with the independence of the Federal Reserve. Yes, exactly right. We're nationalizing the Federal Reserve. We're bringing it back under the control of the Congress and the president. That's what this is. This is a bill. Uh, we're not happy to have cliques of, of unaccountable, faceless bankers manipulating all these interest rates and so forth behind the scenes, especially when most of them, right, apart from the ones in Washington, the ones out in those districts, they're all put there by private bankers, right? They're not, not a product of even a Senate confirmation, right? They're completely uh, uh, there to do the bidding of of the zombie bankers in San Francisco or Dallas or St. Louis. And again, that just means Wall Street, because that's all those are. Those guys are. What's the difference between the Fed discount rate and the federal funds rate? The federal funds rate is interbank lending overnight, um, and that's kept very close to zero. The discount rate is an official window of the Federal Reserve where a bank can go and borrow money. She's, she's proposing in, the discount rate, right? The discount rate, yes, the discount rate. Now, one could, what I would propose, what I've been proposing for the last 10 years or so is 0%. The Fed can put out money at 0%, and they do, right? If you want to, uh, or close to zero, you can actually get it at zero. But if you want to buy a, um, you know, a three-month bill, or how about a one-year bill? A one-year bill has a 0.11 interest rate. How about that? The discount rate, she's saying the discount rate is where banks can borrow, yeah, banks can borrow at the discount rate, but they don't that much. They'd, they'd rather borrow one year at 0.11. So maybe we can also convince her to make it the one-year T-bill rate. Or how about if you, you know, want to do the one-month T-bill rate, that goes down to like 0 0.02 or 0.03, depending on the day, right? But anyway, I wouldn't quibble about some of these things. Some are essential, some are not. The main thing that she has is getting the money from the Fed. And this is the cardinal principle. This is what nobody else has. Examine every competing proposal because there will now be an attempt to smother her under you know, a, a, a reign, a plethora of, of brand X, you know, Delphic uh, you know, counter gang proposals, right? That sound similar, but they're not. And, uh, and therefore that's, that's the genius of what she's doing. Now, uh, I know that you want to discuss what people can do to help right. this bill get passed through Congress. Now, you mentioned to me that, in fact, there is a, a petition on the White House website 
that would require right. what a hundred thousand signatures for a response. Right. We got to get a response. We got to get Obama on record. Now, again, I, I suspect if he's going to be honest, the answer is no. He's going to say he serves Wall Street and this is not popular on the street. But here we go. It's on the uh, We the People, right? The We the People part of the White House website. And it simply says support Elizabeth Warren's bill to give student loans the same interest rates banks get from the Federal Reserve currently. 0.75%. Again, less than 1%. And this is being pushed by Move On. You're going to see, you know, any number of interesting people come together on this. By the way, in the first 24 hours, it was covered by The Nation, Katrina Vanden Heuvel. It was on Huffington. It was on the Daily Coast. It's been in the um, Los Angeles Times. As far as I can see, Washington Post, not. And New York Times, not. And the big question is, hey, boys, What's going on, right? All the news that fits we print, but not this. So here's the big, the big problem, though. She brought this out in May. Uh, God bless her. But this, this is a proposal that we needed last September, October. She was not in the Senate. It's not her fault. But you see what I'm trying to get at. The campuses now have two or three more weeks at most, right, depending on where you are. So what I am calling on people to do is to mobilize because this is going to be either the mass action of the middle class and working people, or it's not going to happen. Somebody asked me yesterday, oh, when is that going to come up for a vote? And the answer is never, never, unless you force it. Harry Reid doesn't want it. Mitch McConnell doesn't want it. Boehner doesn't want it. Pelosi doesn't want it. Pelosi's going to be listening to Paul Pelosi telling her, no, no, the street doesn't like it and so forth. So here's the idea. I'm addressing, first of all, the seniors of the class of 2013, the graduating seniors. And the idea is, look at your commencement. Look at the few days and weeks you now have left on your campus. Think of your commencement. What do you got to do that? Make your commencement into a rally for Elizabeth Warren, right? You know what these commencements are usually like. We have these overpaid, you know, cynical celebrities. The, the one, the last commencement I went to had Judy Woodruff and Al Hunt as a husband and wife team. And they've got, you know, 50 or a hundred thousand dollars from, for these platitudes, right? Hitch your wagon to a star or whatever it is. Forget that. Make it into a rally. Everybody knows what the number one problem of graduating seniors is. They are crushed by this debt. They have got to mobilize. So, if your college has invited a speaker, contact that speaker and say, hey, speaker, we want you to use this appearance to deliver a stirring call for the Elizabeth Warren Bank on Students bill. Not a throwaway line, not some grudging, half-hearted thing, but a rousing, heartfelt, clarion call to mobilize and put yourself into it. Um, the president of the college or university, if they are honest, they know that this is the single biggest problem of higher education in the United States. There's everything is wrong with this system. This is the, the central wrong of the entire thing. If your, your president of your college university is not in favor of this, it simply means they don't give a damn about higher education. And this is where you can think maybe it's time for them to have their offices occupied. Maybe it's time for them, you know, to to be confronted in other ways. That also goes for the board of trustees, right? We have these rich fat cats on the board of trustees. Quite a few of them we're seeing like at the University of Virginia in particular, the, those people get on the board of trustees because they wanna privatize the institution and loot it and undoubtedly raise the interest rates even further than they are. Start confronting the people on the board of trustees, because they come to the commencement. The other thing, of course, is your professors, right? Especially economics, but anything, right? They're all involved, right? If they care about higher education, but the economics ones in particular, let's put these Keynesians to the test, right? Let's give the old litmus treatment to the Marxists, the Keynesians, the neoliberals, the monetarists, the Chicago boys, the Austrians, uh, the modern monetary theory, let's not forget them. What good are they if they can't support this? And I mean mobilize. Again, I don't mean throwaway lines. I mean that they get out there. Uh, you should try to use your graduation 
as a way to pass a resolution. Have the resolution in advance. You want it voted on and approved at the graduation. Because what good does it say, you know, go out into the world and have such a wonderful life when you know that your life is mortgaged already, right? You're crushed by this debt. That's got to be addressed. Otherwise, you're living in, you know, a fool's paradise. So get the resolution passed, right? Strong support for Elizabeth Warren. Then get that to the congressmen and senators of the state where the institution is located and let the graduating seniors get that to the congressmen and senators of the states where they live, right? Some of these places can cover quite a large swath of states and tell them, we're watching you, you're going to support this or you will be primaried, you will be voted out of office. Now, in many places, there are also uh, reunions. You're going to have your debt-ridden recent graduates come back for the reunions, right? To, uh, to go back to the alma mater and have the reunions. So um, don't forget to leave a delegation to go to them and get them to do the same thing, right? The class of 1978, or well, maybe the class of, of 25 meeting, you know, for the reunion, whatever it is, right? The class of uh, two, 2003 meeting for the 10th reunion and still crushed by debt. We want this to be solved. Uh, Pass the measure from Elizabeth Warren. And, and with that, of course, let them go back to their states right, and, and, and put that in. I'm speaking with economic historian and author Webster Tarpley. Today's show, Mobilize Now for Elizabeth Warren's Bill to Cut Student Loan Rates to 0.75%. I'm Bonnie Faulkner. This is Guns and Butter. Um, think of ways to mobilize, right? Call into talk shows, right? There, you can call in on the on the uh, on the weekends. There are these financial advice talk shows, right? You're on Fox Business News, on Fox News Network. There are these financial advice programs. We have Ali Velshi on CNN. We've got Money Talk with Bob Brinker on hundreds of radio stations. We got Larry Kudlow on hundreds of other radio stations. They're all dealing in in personal financial advice and things like this. Get on there and confront them. Again, if they're not for this, you know that they are worthless. You know that they are wretched and, and uh, that they are charlatans. So um, people have got to uh, understand this is not going to happen unless they make it happen, right? This, this patronizing, outrageous stuff, right? It's not a serious measure. This is the most serious measure that we've had in years, and it it has a theoretical and and historical depth, which is simply astounding, right? And and uh, th- this this is now a person, Elizabeth Warren. These are the qualifications that would allow someone to build a resume to be a presidential candidate, right? Because certainly we have so many others who have never done any such thing, right? You can look at. Uh, you know, Rubio, well, I won't even go through the list, right? But in both parties, we've got essentially a bunch of people with very, very limited accomplishments. This makes Elizabeth Warren the giant of the Senate, right? That's maybe that's not such a great, you know, it doesn't, that's not as great as it, as it might sound, but still she is a, a moral and intellectual giant compared to these people around her, right? She was fought uh, tooth and nail by Wall Street. And it turns out, uh, that, that she actually has delivered to a significant degree. But this, this involves now a mobilization. And I think in some of her statements, she says she can't do it by herself. She needs people to, uh, to get busy. So the, the main thing that I want to urge people to do is action, action, action. Mobilize now or don't start whining five years from now that you're crushed by debt. This was your chance to act. Take that chance right now. Can you think of any other ways for people to mobilize? You've mentioned quite a few. I mean, obviously in the universities and even in the alumni associations, and then, of course, calling in radio, television shows, and, of course, there's C-SPAN as well. They take call-ins. Right. C-SPAN, this is a very important one. C-SPAN has a program called Washington Journal every morning of the week, and it's almost always something to do with economics. Call in and demand, you know, demand that they do programs. We want to get Elizabeth Warren on there. We want to get other people, right? Let's have debates about it. Let's have debates where, you know, pro and con spokesmen come up there, right? If, if the, the intellectual level that we've seen in these objections that I've read you from the, 
U.S. News and World Report and the Daily Beast and all this stuff, the Daily Caller, right? If that's their level, you can wipe the floor with these people because they haven't understood the central point, which is that the money comes from the Federal Reserve. You're getting the terms that are usually reserved for zombie banks. And it, it, it raises the question, right? If the federal government can get um, 0.75% from the discount window, you know, the federal government could get that or even less by putting the Federal Reserve under more direct uh, control. And let me just also point to a couple of other things. Suppose you're a homeowner with a troubled mortgage, okay? We've seen this thrashing around the Obama administration. Oh, we're going to help uh, the, the, you know, the poor homeowners. There have been, what, four or five million foreclosures under Obama, it's, it's wretched. It's complete impotence. It's, it's complete bad faith. How about this? If you've got a troubled mortgage, suppose somebody comes forward and says, let's have a bill that the Federal Reserve will buy your troubled mortgage and will bring your rate down to 0.75%. What's wrong with that? And then we'll be told, oh, no, because you're not creditworthy like these zombie banks, right? You're not as creditworthy as, as you know, J.P. Morgan or... or Goldman Sachs, of course, all of those were completely bankrupt, right? They were begging on their knees for federal money in, in 2008, 2009. So people who have never been bankrupt are being told that they're less credit worthy than zombie banks, all of which, all of them were, were bankrupt. So that makes no sense. But what's wrong with getting the Federal Reserve to buy up all of those troubled mortgages and then the interest rate can go down from whatever it is, 10%? to less than 1%. Wouldn't that be a help? That would be a big help. And once this gets going, you can also get to the point of seeing on the horizon, we need 30 million new productive jobs. We need the entire infrastructure of the United States rebuilt, right? Road, superhighway, right? Bridges, rail, electricity grids, water projects, ports, canals, sewage systems. We need to rebuild New York, New Jersey. We need to rebuild all of these areas that have been shattered by earthquakes or hurricanes or whatever it is. What's wrong with, I don't know, 0.75? Why not 0% uh, credit coming from the Fed put, put out through various, you know, through the federal government? There's also a way in which state governments, city governments, county governments could participate, right? They could say, we have a, a, you know, a, a road project here or a mass transit project. We want to get that financed. The Federal Reserve could come and say, fine, zero uh, percent credit for 100 years. You pay back one percent a year. This is the way out of the depression. This is the principle that can lift the world. And that is why, in addition to the obvious humanitarian and social utility of what Elizabeth Warren is doing, the principle that is embedded there is the vital one for the survival of civilization, to break the power of the privately owned central banks, to force them to conform to the needs of the people and of the national economy uh, and to disregard the market. Yes, to disregard the market because there is no market. The market is cartels, it's oligopolies, duopolies, it's trusts, it's rigged, it's drugged, it's whatever you want. And we simply want to override that. This is the United States of America. We the people want the following, one, two, three. And the Federal Reserve will have to do it. Well, you know, I was about to ask you, uh, why do you say that Elizabeth Warren's bill is the first pilot project for how to get out of the current world economic depression? And I guess you've just answered that. Well, again, look at the bill. I mean, you see those magic words. The Board of Governors of the Federal Reserve System shall make available to the Secretary of the Treasury the amount of money needed for these, for these loans. That's, uh, that's the revolution. That's the shot heard around the world. And again, this is, this is uh, for humanity as a whole. The, the system that we've had for the past century is privately owned central banks. And I say privately owned. Some of them, like all the Federal Reserve branches, are privately owned in the very narrow technical sense that the shares of stock of the, uh, the regional Federal Reserve branch, again, San Francisco, Boston, uh, Chicago, Dallas, St. Louis, right? Those are privately owned in the sense that the shares of stock in those branches are owned by private bankers in those areas, meaning Wall Street, needless to say. 
And then there's the other area. The policy area is even more decisive. A central bank is privately owned when the decisions are made by secret committees of bankers. It's only public when the activities of the central bank are prescribed, ordered by public law, House, Senate, President under our system. And you can see that's what she's doing. She's saying from the Senate to the House to the President, we're telling the Federal Reserve to do this. That is nationalization. Now, this does not regard the entire realm of Fed activities, but you got to start somewhere. And I say, let's start here. Let's start right now. Once again, once this is known, the average middle class family will say, pass the bill now. Don't wait for July 1st. We want it now. And we want it signed by Obama now. Obama, if you don't support this, when the Republicans come for you over Benghazi, you'll be all alone. So think very carefully. We don't expect Obama to think about the country. Think about yourself, Obama. That's all he can do. So think about yourself and sign this bill. And again, Boxer and Feinstein and Chucky Schumer and all the rest of these people, Durbin, the word to them is you support this or your cover is gone. You will be sitting ducks. You will be primaried. There's going to be a wellspring of resentment by the American middle class, because this is a no-brainer. This is an open and shut case. What conceivable real-world objection could there be against this? So politicians had better watch out, because this something like this formulates the main issues of the age in unparalleled clarity, and they had better be on the right side of it. You have written that uh, Warren's bill is a step toward the restoration, not of Keynes, but of Hamilton's vastly superior American system of political economy. How so? Sure. Well, go back and read Hamilton's report on the public credit. Remember that the U.S. federal government was organized by Alexander Hamilton. Washington was the president, but the guy who set up the executive departments and set up the federal government, that's Alexander Hamilton. And he prevented it from going bankrupt quite a few times. Look at these classic reports, report on the public credit, report on manufacturers, and so forth, right? The corpus of Hamilton's reports to the Congress and the First Bank of the United States. Now, some of these these technicalities are slightly different. We can say that the First Bank of the United States was privately owned, but it was public in the sense that it did the public interest, right? It, It conformed to what the country needed, which was mainly currency, and uh, a barrier against financial crises and financial warfare coming from Europe, primarily from, uh, from London, of course. So Hamilton is the idea of the national bank, that the, the, the bank serves the public interest. The first and second banks did that. And when the second bank was destroyed by uh, Andrew Jackson, we went on a slide into, into uh, civil war and secession. And there was a third attempt an attempt of a third bank of the United States that was Daniel Webster, but that was overturned by the degenerate uh, John Tyler, who was in there because because he had succeeded at the death of the other president. But um, we would now, I guess, be up to the fourth bank of the United States. Keynes tells you everything is financed through deficit spending on the national budget. And that is exactly wrong. In today's world, right, since we've been through the Depression, We've been through Lend-Lease, and we've got Lautenbach and Wojtynski as guides also, a world, worldwide experience in this. We can look at this through um, METI, the uh, Ministry for International Trade and Industry of Japan, the Taiwan experience, Chinese developments recently, the French dirigism under de Gaulle, and you can put this all together. We can do this, the the lesson of it is, right, the distillation of all this vast economic experience in war and depression is that you want to use your central bank as the engine of credit creation. The only thing you got to watch out for is that the credit thus created must go into productive activity or socially necessary activity. And that's what we're dealing with with here. We're dealing with a combination of production and socially necessary activity. Uh, education, right, to equip uh, the labor force. Um, and that's, I think, that's, uh, that's the, 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 the great uh, principle, right, which is, which is here. Now, she's not stressing that, but I, I, I would comment that uh, sort of as a, 
as a sympathetic observer. Any final thoughts on Elizabeth Warren's student loan bill now in Congress? Again, just uh, to, to urge people to act, to mobilize. This, I guarantee, I certify, this is the real thing. And again, the Board of Governors of the Federal Reserve shall make available. That's the ballgame right there. Again, all those other changes, make it, make it open-ended, make it um, you know, much broader. Any kind of student loan should be refinanceable. Um, but don't fall into the despair of people who say, oh, the, uh, the colleges will just raise their rates and you'll be worse off than you were before. Notice all of those objections, you're going to find the common denominator of all of them is that they're all reasons to do nothing, to let the golden opportunity pass. And instead, I say, as we're recording, it's uh, May 11th. Um, what is it? It's less than two months to July 1st. And on July 1st, if you've got $100,000 in student loans, you're going to end up paying $3,400 just in interest per year. It's huge uh, right away. And uh, the average, I guess the average uh, figure is that according to uh, a couple of congressional sources, a lot of people are going to find their interest rates going up by $5,000 each especially the ones that have the private uh, loans, because those are going to jump up too. The whole rate structure is going to go up. So we'd be going absolutely in the wrong direction. We need to lower the interest rates, not raise them. And we cannot, we cannot survive as a nation without uh, a, an expansion of the access to college. We don't want to have more exclusion. We want to have less. And th this, is, this is obviously... The, you know, the ethical, moral duty of, of human beings to one another. But it's a national priority. You can't have a survivable country if you don't do these things. So all of the reasons, individual and, and uh, generally political, they all combine. And here comes Elizabeth Warren, uh, the, the right bill at the right place in the right time. So I just urge people, don't let this go by. It will not move unless you make it move. Webster Tarpley, thank you very much. Thank you so much. I've been speaking with Webster Tarpley. Today's show has been Mobilize Now for Elizabeth Warren's Bill to Cut Student Loan Rates to 0.75%. Webster Tarpley is an economic historian, author, and lecturer. He is author of Against Oligarchy, 9-11 Synthetic Terror Made in the USA, Obama, the Postmodern Coup, The Making of a Manchurian Candidate, Obama, the Unauthorized Biography, and co-author of George Bush, the unauthorized biography. His prescient economic work, Surviving the Cataclysm, A Study of the World Financial Crisis, has been updated and is now out in paperback. His books are available online from ProgressivePress.com. That's ProgressivePress.com. Webster Tarpley is a leader and activist with the United Front Against Austerity at www.againstausterity.org. Visit his website at tarpley.net. That's T-A-R-P-L-E-Y dot N-E-T. Email him at tarpley at tarpley.net. Guns and Butter is produced and edited by Bonnie Faulkner and Yara Mako. To make comments or order copies of shows, email us at blfaulkner at yahoo.com. That's B-L-F-A-U-L-K-N-E-R at yahoo.com. Visit our website at gunsandbutter.org. That's G-U-N-S-A-N-D-B-U-T-T-E-R dot O-R-G. Hey, yo, these are some serious times that we live in, G. And our new world order is about to begin. You know what I'm saying? Now the question is, are you ready for the real revolution, which is the evolution of the mind? If you seek, then you shall find. That we all come from the divine You dig what I'm saying? Now if you take heed to the words of wisdom That are written on the walls of life Then universally we will stand And divided we will fall Because love conquers all You understand what I'm saying? This is a call for all you sleeping souls Wake up and take control of your own cipher And be on the lookout for the spirit snipers 
trying to steal your life. You know what I'm saying? Look what decide yourself for peace. Give thanks, live life, and release. You dig me? You got me?